glory. glory. All right. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. We're studying the book of Philippians, and we're going to turn to Romans. <clears throat> that was funny, guys. Y'all didn't even laugh at all. I mean, come on. Uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter number 1, and then, and then flip over to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. We have, we have several that's new tonight. Uh, that was not here last week, we did not get past point one. Now, if you're new tonight, the new outlines that I printed has all the, the, the answers to the first point that we covered last week, and you can just catch up right where we left off. So if you need a lesson, you forgot a lesson, or you were not here last week, raise your hand real fast, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get them right here in the middle. Several in the middle, Brother Johnny, right here on the left and right here to my right. Raise it real high. Make sure you get it so they can see you. All right. All right. Isn't it good to be saved? How about the folks in the balcony? Yeah. Yeah. I expect to hear a lot of amens from up there now. A little help. A little help. All right. All right. Now, now, here's what we're going to do. I, the more I started digging into this, I, I got some more intro information to give. Uh, and I apologize for that, but it's, it's just the Bible. The more you dig into it, the more you get. Amen? But I want you to, I want you to really, really get the, 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 the gravity of how bad Paul's situation is. Because when you get that, you understand how significant the rest of the teaching is. When you, when you see how bad he has it and what's going on, uh, I, I don't want to use the time, but, but if you have time, go look in 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and, and read his, his last letter. And he talks about all the people that's done him wrong. Demas has forsaken me. Alexander the coppersmith has done me much evil. He said, man, bring the cloak. Stop by. He's telling Timothy to come see him, come visit him before winter. He, and, and, and you can see the difficulty that he's going through, the difficulty he's experiencing. And, and the point of that is, is everybody's joy is usually governed by their circumstances. If their circumstances are good, then they're happy. If their circumstances are bad, then they're not happy. And, and that causes uh, psychedelic people. Say amen. We're on an emotional roller coaster as Christians up and down, up and down, up and down. Some days we're good, some days we're bad. Some days we're happy, some days we're depressed. That is not the will of God. That is not what God wants us to be. Paul is going through some difficult, difficult times, yet he is able to say, Rejoice in the Lord always. Say that with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, again I say, Rejoice. Church, say amen. amen. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's read one verse. Let's read one verse in Philippians. I'll pray and you can sit down. All right? Because that was the greatest moment I could when I was growing up as a kid in church. I couldn't wait for the preacher to pray so I could sit down. Amen? Philippians chapter number 1, look in verse number 27. Verse number 27. All right, watch this. It says, only let your conversation, we know that word means behavior, your activity, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, here we go, with one, with one striving together for the faith of the gospel. One mind focused on the gospel. Somebody say amen. amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all those that are here for Bible study tonight. This is exciting. Lord, there's so many people here. This is great. Lord, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for the word. We're hungry for, for Lord, your spirit to touch us and, and illuminate our minds to truth. And I pray that you'll do that very thing. Please help me. Let me step aside and let the Holy Spirit just speak through me and use me for your mouthpiece, God. I pray that your perfect will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now turn over, turn over real quickly to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, and, and, and this is why I want to go here. This is why I want to go here. Uh, <clears throat> the subject of joy, the subject of joy is very enticing. Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants to experience joy. Everybody wants to have joy. Uh, it's almost like dieting. I have, I, have, I have been on a diet for about a week now, and, and I've, lost, I've lost about a week's worth of good eating. <clears throat> 
I got on the scales and I've lost five ounces. Now I'm going to tell you this. That is depressing. Say amen. I mean, I've been religious with it, just sticking to it just like a trooper. I mean, a soldier. And, and, and I started thinking about this. There, 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 there are things I want. You know, there's things I want. I want to get in shape. I want to look better. I want to feel better. And I want, to, I want this. And, and, and I, was looking at, I was looking at some diets, and, and I thought, dear God, there ain't no way in the world I could do that right there. I mean, I, and, and you look at it. And, you, and you, you start hearing what you have to do or what you need to do. And, that, and all diets are different. There's different ones. But, but some of the ones I looked at, I thought, dear God, there ain't no way in this world I could do that. And you feel overwhelmed and you don't even try. Now, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. Whether you're here for whatever reason, whatever reason that you're here to study tonight, you want joy. Everybody does. I don't care if you If you don't want to be happy in life, you've got a serious psychological problem and you need more help than I can give you. And I don't mean that smart. I'm, I'm being serious. Everybody wants the pursuit of happiness. They want to be joyful. They don't want to have joy. Now, uh, here, here's the thing. But sometimes when we start reading some of this stuff, I don't want you to look at this book that we're studying. I don't want you to look at Philippians. I don't want you to look at the teachings. I don't want you to look at what we are going through and, 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 and look and say, oh, my goodness, that's just too hard. That's overwhelming. I can't do that. Okay? Don't do that. Wait till we get through with the whole book before you determine whether or not you can do this or not. Does this make sense? Don't give up tonight. I'm going to teach you some things tonight. And, and you think, oh, I can't do it. Yes, you can. So how do you know? Because Paul said, I can do And this is one of them. Okay? Now, now, here's what we're going to look at. Here's what we're going to look at. Look in Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Now, now this is intro stuff. This is intro stuff. So look how I wrote it on mine. Look, I got it written out here, around here, just stuff. So you just put it anywhere you want to put it. <clears throat> Romans chapter number 12, verse 1. Paul is encouraging the Christian, and he is telling them, this is, this is what he's telling people after they get saved. You don't do this to get saved. You understand? You don't, you don't sacrifice yourself to get saved. That's what Jesus did on the cross. You put your faith in Christ. That's how you get saved. But after you get saved, God wants you to submit to him. Does that make sense? Amen. So we know he's talking to saved people right here. And this is what he says. After you get saved, after you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, after your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have begun your journey with Christ, this is what I want you to do. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This isn't even above and beyond the call of duty. I mean, it's only reasonable that we submit to a God who died on a cross so that we could be forgiven. It's only reasonable that we give our life over to the one who came and left heaven and came to this earth, who was rich, who became poor. Somebody say amen. amen. Who did all of these things. It's just a reasonable thing that we give our life to the one who gave his for us. Amen? Now, here's the key. Here's the key. We're talking about joy. I'm not, I'm not running a rabbit here. I'm not running right here. I run enough of them Sunday. Amen. This is the deal. Real joy. Lasting joy. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a feeling or, or, or an experience from a temporary situation that happens in your life. I'm not talking about getting a blizzard at, uh, at Dairy Queen and, and being happy for a season. Say amen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about joy. Joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Joy that he said he will give you his joy. That you might have fullness of joy. Somebody say amen. amen. Watch this. Watch this. And be not conformed. After you submit to God. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. Be ye transformed. Transform is the word where we get our word metamorphosis. It's metamorphio, which we get metamorphosis, which means a change from the inside out. Y'all know what a caterpillar is? He's ugly on the outside, but there's something on the inside that starts to change. And when that something on the inside starts to change, it affects the looks on the outside. Before I came to Christ, I was a wretched sinner. I was just a worm. I was undone without God or his son. But when I got saved, God began to work inside of me. He began to change me from the inside out. Somebody say amen. 
And here's the problem. There are way too many churches trying to change people from the outside in. Transformation. He said, be ye transformed. Now, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here's a study. By the, the renewing of your mind. The word renewing means renovation. Go in and change everything. Go, there's sometimes I'll come home from coon hunting and, the, and, and, and I'll trip over stuff because Tammy doesn't change everything. The couch is over here and it was over here and now this is over here. She just goes in and starts re- just moving this over here. You know what God will do? The Holy Spirit will come into your life and he'll come into your mind and you start reading that Bible and things will start changing in your mind. They'll, they'll begin a renewing process or a renovation process where the things that you used to think was good, you don't think anymore. The things that you used to think was bad, they're not bad anymore. Things that you used to like, you don't like anymore. People you used to hate, now you love. Ooh. What happened? A renovation. A renewing. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and your mind starts changing. Your mind starts changing. Your activities never change till your mind changes. That's why God says you've got to guard your mind. That's why he said, if you think upon a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart because he knows every action on the outside takes place in the heart and the mind first. Does that make sense? Now, you say, what does that have to do with Philippians? Everything in Philippians has to do with this. Everything in Philippians has to do with this. How in God's name could Paul go through what he's going through? I, I, I was thinking about, if you want to alliterate this, he was confined. Paul is a traveler. Paul is a missionary. Man, he's used to getting up and going. He goes here and he goes yonder. He goes to this city and he goes to that city. Man, he's a world traveler. He is a missionary of missionaries. He's used to getting up and preaching the gospel and going, 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 going. And now he's confined in this prison cell for a long time. He's confined. He's not only confined, he's criticized. He's criticized. He's got enemies everywhere. And I'm not talking about the Roman soldiers. I'm talking about other people who are supposed to be Christians, who are supposed to be believers, who are trying to mix. They were called Judaizers. They were trying to mix the Old Testament law and New Testament Christianity together and make one hodgepodge mess. And there were people who were preaching. There were people who were preaching that we're going to talk about in just a minute who were trying to preach in competition with Paul. And they thought they would increase his burden by doing this. So he's got, he's got critics. He's got people criticizing him. He's confined to this, this, this prison cell, this dank, dark prison cell. Even the picture that they put up, that makes it look good. It's, not that, it's a cold, cold prison cell. But not only that, he's concerned. As we get through the book of Philippians, we'll find out there's people arguing in the church. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought there'd be people in churches that couldn't get along? Well, guess what? There was that way. There was that way. Now think about this. Paul, the, the church planner. Paul, the one who started the church at Philippi. Man, his love is for that place. I, here's what I think. Here's what I think. My heart is in this place. You cut me and, and temple bleeds out. This is my heart. This is my life. Almost to, almost to, a, to a detriment almost. I mean, this is my heart. I, I couldn't imagine if, if, if half y'all couldn't get along with each other. It'd break my heart. I mean, I'd do everything I could say, hey, 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 we're brothers and sisters. We can't do this. We got to, does this make sense? Well, Paul started the church at Philippi. His heart is in this place. We learned that last week from uh, verse 1 through 11. Man, he's very concerned. They're arguing and fighting. Man, I don't want that. So here Paul is sitting in this uh, uh, prison cell. He's confined. He's being criticized. He's got enemies everywhere. Alexander the coppersmith did him much evil. Demas has forsaken him. All of these things have taken place. And now one of his favorite churches, one of his favorite church plants are not getting along. Boy, he's concerned. Concerned. So what happens? What, what, how can he tell us to rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice because he has a right mind. He has a renewed mind. A lot of us have come into this place and the reason we do not experience joy is because we don't have a right mind. It's not, and I don't mean that we're crazy. That's not what I'm talking about. Is that, 
here's, here's the simplest way I can put this, is there are some things that's really important to you that shouldn't be. And there's some things that's not important to you that should be desperately important to you. But our minds are not right. Yes, we're saved. Yes, we know Jesus. Yes, our name's in the book of life. Yes, we love coming to church. But boy, we worry about everything in the world. Everything in the world is, is poor. We're just, we're just being pulled apart this way and that way. And we're just... And he, every single... Hey, every chapter. I looked it up today. Every single chapter in Philippians speaks about the mind in one way or the other. Chapter 1 deals with a single mind or a focused mind. He has a one-track mind. He's focused. That's how he can put up with the stuff he's dealing with, his chains and his critics and his crisis that we're going to talk about in just a minute. I can do that because I got a, I'm focused. I got, I got a one-track mind. Then, then this, the second chapter deals with having a submissive Having a submissive mind. What does he say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind did Christ have? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. What did he do? Christ, who was God, submitted to be man so he could die on a cross. Have a submissive mind. Chapter 3 deals with having, I'm, I'm pretty sure, let's see. Single mind, submissive mind. Uh, one is a secure mind. I think that's chapter number four. That's chapter number four. A spiritual mind. Number three, chapter three deals with being a spiritual mind. Point being, if we're ever going to experience joy, we've got to renew our mind. Watch. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. Look in. Look in chapter number, looking back at, let's go back to Philippians. Let's go back to Philippians. Look in chapter 3. Chapter number 3. Look in verse number 7. Look in verse number 7. Paul, Paul begins the chapter telling what kind of man he was. He was a very political man. He was a very religious man. He was a very popular man. He was a very educated man. And most likely, most likely from all, all accounts, he was a very wealthy man. Does everybody get that? I mean, dude had it going on. He was a celebrity of the day. Very religious, very sought after. Very, he, he was looked up highly by everybody. Now watch, verse 7. Verse 7, you there? But what things were gained to me? What is he saying right there? What things were important to me? There was a day when popularity was important. There was a day when, when the way people looked at me was important. There was a day when I thought, I thought my class and my status in society was important. There was a day when my wealth was important. There was a day when my fame was important. Does that make sense? He said, those things that were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, watch now, watch. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Now watch. He said, he said, knowing Christ as the Lord, he uses the word excellency. In other words, this is so much better. Knowing Christ is so much better than my stuff. Knowing Christ is so much better than the popularity. Knowing Christ is so much better than the fame and, and the fortune and all that the world is striving and all that man says you got to have to have joy. All of these things that are gone and are temporal. He said, Jesus is so much better than these temporal things. He's, now watch, this is, a, this is a cool part. This is a cool part. Watch this. He said, for whom, in other words, for Jesus, for whom, now read it with me, I have... Woo, come on, come on. Y'all got quiet. For whom I have. Wow. Paul lost it all. Now, some of us right there would go, we, we'd go into the dry heaves thinking about losing it all. Some of you, some of you, 
you're, you're broken, you've been broken, you was broken, you lived broken, you was born broke, so it don't really matter to you that part, but you care about what people think about you. And some of you, if you was to think about being broke again, you'd just, you'd die. You can't even imagine. But look what Paul is saying. I've lost everything. Now watch. Now watch. <laughs> Woo! And do count them, but... Do I have to translate that? Please tell me y'all know what that is. Okay. Uh, fertilizer. Y'all with me? That's what that is. See, I can be dignified when I want to. Manure. Waste. And everybody think, ooh. This is what Paul is saying. Those things that I thought was so important. I, <laughs> whoo, I had a renewing of my so that now all of those things that I thought was so important. Now when I see them compared to the excellency of Christ. Basically, knowing Christ and being in the will of God, being in the will of the Lord, doing what God wants me to do. He said, compared to that, all that stuff, you know the way it looks to me now? Dumb. Now, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I know tonight, I know tonight, at this moment, you may not be able to do that right now. You may not be able to look at your reputation as insignificant you may you know you may not be able to look at all your finances as as compared to winning christ if christ asks you to give up something to you may not be able to do that tonight and, and see what i've already done is i've set you up with this diet that you think is too hard you say i'll never be able to do that dear lord i won't never have joy don't don't say that wait till we finish the book now, if we get to Philippians chapter number 4 in the very last verse and you still think that, Buchanan will buy your supper. <laughs> and he's as poor as me, so I know that ain't never going to happen. Because by the time we get through this book, you will be able to say like Paul in the same book, I can do all things. I can do all things. And you know what? This is a really, really long... I have used... I've used about 30 minutes in an introduction that I wonder why... Lord, I, I'm, I'm never going to get to my outline. And this is what the Lord said. Your outline's not going to matter if they don't think they can do it. So I have spent an extended period of time to help you understand. You got this. You can do this. But I promise you this. It has to be done. It has to be done. If we leave here and we do not make a decision, we do not make a choice to say, I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to change the way I think about things. And don't think you've got to do it. Listen, you're not going to lose 20 pounds tonight. Hello? You're not going to do it. You don't think you are. You know what's, this may be a rabbit, but you know what's funny about golfers? Does anybody golf in here? Raise your hand, raise your hand real high if you golf in here. This don't mean you got to be good. I mean, you attempt it, all right? Put your hand up. You know what most amateur golfers do? You know what most amateur golfers do? It's kind of humorous, is they get, they hit a bad shot and they get mad. Want to throw clubs, want to cuss and raise cane, don't do all. And, and you know, I think, do you think you're Tiger Woods? I mean, I mean, really. Guess what? I've seen Tiger Woods hit it in the water. We go out with a false expectation that we're gonna we're gonna hit every single shot right. We're gonna make every single putt. We're gonna do. It. And when we don't, we just get all mad and flustered. Well, dummy, you ain't Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods can't even do that. My point is this, don't get flustered and quit because it's not easy. 
Because what we're learning, y'all, listen, guys, y'all are the mature ones. Some of this stuff I can't deal with on Sunday because there, there's too many babies, Christian babies in here, and they can't handle this. If they could handle it, they'd be here tonight. So y'all are going to tough it out. Y'all are going to learn. Y'all are going to learn to think and, and change the way you think. The devil's going to fight you. The devil's going to do everything he can to stop you. He's going to put everything that you really think is important, and he's going to magnify it so, he, so you can see how really important it is when God says, no, it's not. Are y'all with me? Let's see if we can get point two tonight, all right? The first thing we learned last week, if you were not here last week, there, there are several things. Paul is in a difficult circumstance. He's, remember, he's confined. He's criticized. He's got enemies. He is concerned about the welfare of the church of Philippi. He's going through all of this, yet he's got joy. Yet he's got joy. What is, what is it that's causing him to have joy even in his dark circumstances? Last week, we learned, we learned that the fellowship of the gospel... His connection with the people at the church of Philippi, his fellowship with them was strengthened because of his circumstances. Basically this, if you want to say it in the easiest way to understand it, what he was saying is that the hard times he was going through was making their fellowship stronger. You know what what, you know what'll happen with real friends when you go through a bad time? It'll make you grow stronger. It'll pull you tighter together. Difficult times will always reveal what a relationship is really like. I have seen some marriages, I have seen some husbands and wives grow so closer, they are bonded together and they are closer than they ever was before. And I I have seen some couples go through a, a little bit of tragedy, a little bit of difficulty and divorce right after. And see, here's the problem. It wasn't the difficulty that caused the divorce. It was the difficulty that revealed that there was a problem in the relationship. And what Paul is saying in here is the things I've gone through, man, I realize how important my friends are to me. I realize how important the fellowship of the gospel is. Man, because he's sitting in a prison, and all he can think about is his friends at Philippi. And I'm telling you what, there's nothing that will cause your friends and your fellowship partners to be as important to you as when you go through a trial. And it is the trial that makes you appreciate your fellowship with the people that you walk with and talk with, the people you fellowship in church. That's why it's very important not to be an isolated, long-ranger Christian. It's not a good thing to come in late and leave early. It's not a good thing to isolate yourself in church and do not go to life groups, do not fellowship, do not come early, do not meet other Christians because you need us. And we need you because one day you're going to be sitting in a prison cell. One day you're going to need somebody to pray for you. You're going to need somebody to think about you. And you're going to need some memories to look back on when you're going through hell. Say amen. Amen. He said, he said, my fellowship has helped me experience joy. I mean, he's in prison. He's in a dark state. He's in a difficult time. But boy, when he thinks about the fellowship he's had, with the church at Philippi and the people at Philippi, it just brought him joy. Joy. Now, number two. Number two, there was something else that helped him. There was something else that helped him. Look in verse number 12. Chapter 1, verse 12. Let's get in it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Amen. All right. From verse 1 to verse 11, he covers the fellowship of the gospel. And we talked about that last week. Now, Let's talk about the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. But I would, ye should understand. Now remember, remember, the people at Philippi are struggling somewhat with the fact that he's in prison. Because there are people going around saying, look at this, if he was a man of God, he wouldn't be in prison. Look, God is punishing him because of what he's going through. He's having all this stuff being talked about and told about him. And, and so people are worried that, well, you know, I don't know, is he doing right? Is he what he's supposed to be? And what Paul is fixing to say, he said, guys, don't worry about these chains. Don't worry about what's happened to me. Not only some were worried if he was really of God or not, some were just worried for him. Some were worried about Paul. Paul was an elderly man at this point, and Paul is aged at this point, and now he's sitting chained to soldiers 24 hours a day. And they were worried about it. And this is what Paul is saying. Don't sweat it, people. 
It's all good. It's all good. Watch what he says. Verse 12. But I would, ye should understand. Ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, the word furtherance there literally means pioneering advance. In other words, how many of y'all like Westerns? Anybody like Westerns? Y'all like the Westerns when they had the wagon trains and the wagon train, and they, they would always have a scout to go ahead. The scout would go scout the trail, and he would go ahead into new territory, into new areas, into new places. And, and what he is saying here, because of my chains, that listen, this has caused the gospel to go forward into new places that it's never been before. I was sitting talking with uh, Brother Dustin and, 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 and uh, Brother Jeff, and they just got back from Nepal, and, and, and they were talking about getting the gospel to places that's never had it. What is that? That's a pioneering advance. God is getting the gospel to people who's never heard it. That's what he's talking about here. He said, the things that's happened to me, it's just caused the gospel to get out. It's the furtherance of the gospel. So here's the second thing. Here's the second thing that has really encouraged Paul and caused Paul to have joy in his difficult circumstances, not just the fellowship of the gospel, not the fellowship that he's had with Christian brothers and sisters and them banding together and binding together to get the gospel to people. It is the furtherance of the gospel. He says, when I'm sitting here in prison and I think about the gospel going forward, he said, man, that gives me joy. He said, I'm excited about that. Now watch. Now watch. He said, but I would usually understand that what's happened to me. Now, what's happened to him? Let me go down a list. Now, write this somewhere in your notes. These, this is where you can go do some research about what happened to him. From Acts 21, 17, Acts 21, 17 to chapter 28, 31. Acts 21, 17 to Acts 28, 31. And this is what you're going to read. You're going to read that he was falsely arrested and falsely accused. You're going to read that he appeals to Caesar. And he, he is going to Rome because he's a Roman citizen and he appeals to Caesar. You're going to learn that he was, he was kept bound for two years as a prisoner in Caesarea. Then he is taken on a ship and he's headed to Rome. And on the ship headed to Rome, he is in a shipwreck. And, he, and, and listen, he is at one point, at one point, they said, look, you're a devil. You're a devil because a snake, he's trying to build a fire to keep everybody warm. A snake comes out of the fire and bites him on the arm. So everybody there said, oh, you escaped the ship. You escaped the wreck. But God got you anyway. That You must be a devil. And the Bible says he shook it off. He shook it off. And there was no harm to it. And then them same people turned around. The same people that said, you a devil. They turn around and say, you a God. Woo, that snake bit you and he was poisoned. It didn't bother you. You're a God. Here's the point. Don't worry if people are negative and don't listen if they're positive. Because if they're negative, they can't stop you. If they're positive, they'll swell your head up. Don't listen to none of them. Because the same people that'll talk bad about you, they'll talk good about you. And the same people that'll talk good about you, they'll talk bad about you. So don't let the critics bother you. Say amen. I'm sorry that's a rabbit I threw in. <clears throat> Paul is shipwrecked. Now he is here on this island. He finally gets to Rome and he's sitting in, he's sitting in prison. This is the things. Did you hear what he said? The things that have happened to me. All of these things I just said. He said, it's just for the gospel. Yes, they were hard. Yes, they were difficult. None of it was fun. But every single bit of it contributed to the furtherance of the gospel. Say Amen. Watch this. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in the palace and all other places. Let's look at our notes. Let's look at our notes. More than anything else, more than anything else, Paul's desire as a missionary was to preach the gospel in Rome. You remember what he said in the Roman letter? He said, with all that in me is. With all, in other words, everything I got, with all that in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. In other words, he couldn't wait, man. If I could get to Rome, Rome is a, is a civilized city. It is the center. It is the capital of the, basically the world, the known world. Boy, if I can get the gospel to Rome, then the, the gospel will get out to millions of people. 
And Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher. But he went as a prisoner. He went as a prisoner. What's the point? The point, God don't always do it like we think it needs to be done. Paul was in the shipwreck that we just talked about earlier. And the Bible says the ship busted all two pieces. And you know what the next word it says? He says, and every single person made it to shore. Some on broken pieces. So it had been my will to keep the ship together. Yep, and it would have sunk. And God busted that ship all to pieces. All to pieces. And you say, you say, well, I would have kept the ship together. Yeah, but God's way got everybody to shore. And here, Paul was expecting to go as a missionary. Paul was expecting to come into Rome, stand on a, a street corner, and preach the gospel. He thought he was coming as a preacher, but he came as a prisoner. God doesn't always do it the way we think it needs to be done. To many of us, to many, this would have looked like failure. But not to this man. He had a single mind. Say that with me. He had a... He was focused on the gospel. The gospel and getting the gospel out was the only thing that was important to him. Paul did not find his joy in ideal circumstances. He found his joy in winning others to Christ. And if his circumstances promoted the furtherance of the gospel, that's all that mattered. God sometimes uses strange tools to help pioneer the gospel. In Paul's case, there were three tools that helped him take the gospel, even to the Praetorian Guard, Caesar's special troops. Watch. A, write this down. We see his chains. His chains helped him get the the gospel into the guardhouse. Look what it says. Because of his chains, verse 13, so that my bonds, his chains, his being in custody, So that my bonds in Christ are manifested in all of the, what? Guess what? If he had moseyed into Rome as a preacher, they wouldn't have given him the time of day in the palace. Y'all get this? He could have said, could I talk to Caesar? They'd have said, get lost, bud. But he said, because of his chains, because of his chains, The gospel's in the palace. He says, and in all other places. So so how are these chains helping him? Number one, his chains gave contact to the lost. Write that down. His chains gave contact to the lost. He was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. The shifts changed every six hours. Every six hours, new soldiers came in which meant Paul could witness to at least four men each day. Imagine yourself as one of those soldiers chained to a man who prayed without ceasing, who was constantly interviewing people about their spiritual condition, who was repeatedly writing letters to Christians and churches throughout the empire. It was not long before some of these guards put their faith in Christ. Paul was able to get the gospel into the elite praetorian guard, something he could not have done if he had been a free man. Can you imagine that? Paul's sitting here, and they come in. Here's a new one. He's chained. They changed the locks, put him. Now he's chained him. Now where were we? Can you imagine the atheist Roman soldier who had to be chained beside that turkey? And Paul said, look at this. My chains, who everybody else would be whining about and complaining about and, 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 and thinking this is, this is failure, all they've done is help me. He has a captive audience. Do y'all see what Paul is saying? Not only was he able to stay in contact with the loss, but he was able to get it to the politicians. Watch this. The chains gave Paul contact with another group of people. The officials in Caesar's court. He was in Rome as an official prisoner. And his case was an important one. The Roman government was going to determine the official status of this new Christian religion or Christian sect. 
Imagine how pleased Paul must have been knowing that the court officials were forced to study the doctrines of the Christian faith simply because he was a prisoner and not a preacher. Let me put it this way. Simply because his circumstances were garbage. Simply because his circumstances were horrible, God was able to get the gospel in a way that he couldn't have done if his circumstances were great. Church, say amen. Watch this. How, 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 is this, how, is this, how does this give him joy? The secret is this. When you have the single mind, you look on your circumstances as God-given opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel. And you rejoice at what God is going to do instead of complaining about what God did not do. Underline that. Underline that. When you have the single mind, you look on your circumstances as God-given opportunities. Say that with me. God-given for the furtherance of the gospel. And you rejoice at what God is going to do instead of complaining about what God did not do. I want you to see some people. I want you to see some people. The first person here should be Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley, Susanna Wesley had 19 children. 19 children. In a time before all that we had, that was before microwaves. That was before washing machines. That was before pampers. Y'all with me? 19 children. Some of you mothers in here may think, boy, she was chained. She was chained. She didn't have life. Well, women's livers, they wouldn't, they couldn't handle this. Well, she just didn't have no life at all. Now, she could have. <laughs> Mr. Willingham, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Hey, she could have looked at her circumstances like, I don't have a life. But you know what she did? She looked at it as an opportunity. This woman, Susan Wesley, had two sons named John and Charles. John and Charles shook the British Isles with the gospel. Because of her influence on them two young men, these men started what we know as the Methodist movement. Now, now the Methodist movement that we know of today, there's so much garbage today, it's ridiculous. That's not, that's not, these were godly men. Now, we, didn't, we don't always see exactly eye to eye with these, but these men got the gospel to the people. They, the word that they use, it, the way they got their name is they were so methodical in the way they studied the Bible, they were called Methodist. Methodist, that's how they got their name. And you say, well, what, what great men John or, or Charles Wesley were. What a mama who influenced them with the gospel because she didn't see her circumstances as chains. She saw them as opportunities. How about this one? How about this one? <clears throat> Fanny J. Crosby. Fanny J. Crosby was blinded as a baby. Blinded as a baby. Some of you may not know this, but she wrote incredible hymns. Matter of fact, I printed off like eight of them, and I was going to sing them. Apparently, God don't want me to sing them because I forgot them in the copy machine. <clears throat> Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Are y'all with me? Praise Him, praise Him. Hello, that's another one. I mean, song after song. All of them you would know. All of them I've sang ever since I was a little bitty kid. Unbelievable songs. You know what? She didn't look at her blindness as chains. She looked at them as opportunities. She used what God gave her for the glory of God. What about this next one? This is Elizabeth Elliot. 
Elizabeth Elliot was the wife of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a missionary to the Aka Indians, and, and him and his team would fly in and try to reach a group of Indians that were not not previously reached, and they were they they came in, and, and, and I don't want to tell the whole story. It's a it's a great story to read, but they came in and they were killed. They were speared. Every one of them were killed. Jim Elliot said this before he was killed. He said, "He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose." Elizabeth Elliot went behind him after they were killed and began to work with those people. And the very one that killed her husband basically became like a godfather to her children. He, he received the gospel. He was saved. You know why? Because she didn't look at her crisis. She didn't look at her circumstances as obstacles. She looked at it as opportunities. We have David Ring. David Ring is cerebral palsy. If you've never heard this man in person, you need to do yourself a favor and go see him. It's unbelievable how he can preach like he preaches. God uses him in an incredible way. You know what? He could have he he just pouted and quit. He could have threw in a towel. He could have said, life's not fair. He could have said, God's not been good to me. But he didn't. He has used this. There are people that will go see him just to go see him. That wouldn't darken the door to see me. Why? He didn't use his circumstances as obstacles. He used his circumstances as opportunities. How about this bird? Let me ask you a question. Everybody here on the bottom and in the top, have you ever seen him when he didn't look like that? What does he seem to express when you see him? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I don't even have to say nothing else. And let me say this. He wants to walk. He wants to be normal. He would like to run again. He would like to play football again. He would like to hit the ball out of the park again. Don't, don't think that all of a sudden... He, but he's not focusing on that. He's not so, so focused on what he don't have at this point that he cannot see what God is doing with him right now. And because he's single-minded, because he is focused on what God is doing and God is using with the opportunities that he's had, he looks like that. So let me say this. This is going to sound a little brutal. It's going to sound like a smart aleck. And I don't mean that, so forgive me if it sounds like a smart aleck. If he can do that, I don't want to hear no lip from y'all. I don't want nobody in here, including myself, to get uh, just feeling sorry for ourselves and think our circumstances are so bad that we can't get over it, we can't have joy. Don't even bring that to me. You can. But you got to do like these people. You've got to. You've got to look at your circumstances and say, not, oh, God, why me? Say, oh, God, what, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this? Church, say amen. we got nine minutes. Say amen right there. All right. His chains, his chains gave contact to the loss. Because that, is that easily seen right there? Because of my chains, the soldiers see it. All the people, the, the politicians see it. Now watch. Verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord, many of the saved people, many of the saved people. Now remember, they, people were being arrested. People were being arrested for the gospel. This wasn't a real safe thing to be a Christian in that day. And by the way, it's fixing to get that way again. Watch what it says. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds or my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So what has his chains done? A, his chains, they gave contact to the lost. Then it gave courage to the saved. You say, what was bringing Paul so much joy? Because people that were afraid to speak up, 
People that didn't have any boldness because they saw Paul and what he stood for and what he was going through with his chains and his bondage and his imprisonment, because he was there, it gave them boldness. And because of his chains, they had courage. They had strength. They could do what they did. If Paul can go through that, bless God, I can stand up and give my testimony. And because of that, guess what? The gospel. Amen? Watch, watch. Many of the believers in Rome took fresh courage when they saw Paul's faith and determination. They were much more bold to speak the word without fear. The word speak does not necessarily mean preach. Rather, it means everyday conversation. In other words, because Paul was in, in the Roman jail, everybody in Rome was talking about it because of his circumstances. They were discussing Paul's case because such legal matters were a primary concern to the nation of lawmakers. And the Christians in Rome who were sympathetic to Paul took advantage of this conversation to say a good word for Jesus Christ. Discouragement has a way of spreading, but so does encouragement. Say amen. Because of Paul's joyful attitude, the believers in Rome took fresh courage and witnessed boldly for Christ. For instance, they're all sitting at the corner uh, reading the newspaper. And, and, and the Roman Christian, who's normally timid and shy and kind of, kind of afraid, he hears people talking about Paul's case. Have you heard about Paul's case? Yeah, I've heard about Paul's case. How do you think that's going? And what, what did he do? Well, let me tell you, not necessarily about Paul's case, but let me tell you about Paul's Christ. You'll get it later. Amen. That, in, that, in, that enthused and excited Paul that because of his chains, other people had courage to stand up and have boldness in the faith. Listen, the furtherance of the gospel was made possible, A, by his chains. Say that with me. A, by his. But then, I'm going to get in everybody's crawl right now, by his critics. There's a lot of you in here can put up a lot of stuff until somebody starts talking about you. Until we get critics, and then we just want to cry and fuss and fight and get revenge. And It's hard to believe. <clears throat> Watch what it says. Watch what it says. He said, some indeed, this is verse 15. We're just going verse by verse. Watch here. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, Supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Notwithstanding, every way, or excuse me, every way, say that with me. In other words, any way the gospel's getting out, any way the gospel's getting out, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, competition or not, Honry or not, for wrong reason or not, Christ is preached. And I therein, what? Christ being preached, do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Let me make it, let me make it up to date. There were people, there were people that were, yes, they were preaching the gospel, but they were not preaching it so people get, get saved. They were preaching it supposedly to aggravate Paul. They were people that were, you know, in so-called ministry, not because they loved Jesus, not because they loved the lost, but because they were in competition with Paul. Paul, even though he had lost his fame on the, on the worldly side, he had a lot of popularity on the spiritual side because he was a writer of the Gospels. He was a father of the gospel. I mean, he, he started planting churches. I mean, you, you don't do that. Listen, every church he planted, he had dear friends in. And let me tell you something. Having that kind of influence will also give you enemies of, of the Christian group. The people he's talking about right here were not Roman soldiers. He was praying that they'd get saved. He was chained to them. Who he's talking about is people that were supposed to be Christians. People who were preaching not to further the gospel, but to irritate Paul. Now let me, let me see if I can put it this way. Do you realize there's churches around Coleman that don't like you? 
I found out today there was a, a leadership meeting by one, and they stood up, and this was the exact words. We've got to do something to keep people from going to temple. I'm not making that up. God is my witness. That was told to me today. Guess what I did? Immediately, the hair started standing up on my neck. And I started, who in the world would go to church like that? What's wrong with them people? And the same people, we've gone out of our way to say, hey, let us help you. We got a full building. We're fixing to fill it up again. We can't fit no more in. Let's fit some in yours. And I'm not exaggerating that a bit. That's exactly. And I'm thinking, all we've tried to do is help us. And God says, whether in pretense or truth, they may think they're in competition with you. But guess what? If they sing, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. If they open their Bible, even if they hate your guts, and they read, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If they open that Bible and somebody walks that aisle and gets saved, you ought to shout the victory. It don't matter what they think about you. I am being glorified. I ain't going to lie. God had to, he had to get me right. And I think, honest to God, this is what I think happened. God let me hear that today to give me a living illustration of what Paul was going through right there so I could understand what Paul was going through. And I can understand, Paul, I can, you know what? I'm telling you, stuff like that would just make me mad. It made me mad today till God taught me something. Hey, I'm not in competition with none of them. They don't know that. They're in competition with me. I, I'm, I don't want it to be. But guess what? They're going to sing a song Sunday that's going to magnify God. They're going to read a sermon Sunday that's going to talk about Jesus. And if somebody gets saved, listen, they may not shout for me, but I'll shout for them. And guess who gets the joy? All they can see is who's coming here. All I can see who's going there. So take that, brother. Hey, man. <laughs> Paul did it too. <clears throat> look what he said. I don't look at me. Look what he said. He said, they're not preaching it because they love Jesus. They're just trying to make my life miserable. But Christ is being preached. So what are you worried about? That's what Paul is saying. I got joy. You know, it don't really matter what they think about me because I'm not important anyway. What's important is Jesus saves. What's important is we magnify Jesus. What's important is people get saved. So next time you're living for Christ and somebody criticizes you, just rejoice. Just rejoice. Unless they're criticizing something you're really doing, then quit it. <clears throat> Say amen. Eight seconds. Look at the bottom sentence. Look at the bottom sentence. Criticism is usually very hard to take, particularly when we are in difficult circumstances. How was the apostle able to rejoice even in the face of such diverse criticism? Read it with me. Now, now put your papers down. Put your papers down and look at me because you shut your brain off when you start doing that. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You got to get focused. Now, don't leave here. Don't leave here worrying, oh, I won't never be that way. I won't never be so focused as Paul. You may not be tonight, but if you let God work on you throughout this series, by the end of the book, we'll be able to. So don't quit. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Let God keep working on us. And we'll be able to do what Paul is doing. May not, may not come tonight. 
May not be able to do it tomorrow when some, something happens. You just say, circumstance, you're going to put it on hold till I get through a Philippians. And all God's people say it. Paul, in just a minute, is going to talk about his crisis. That's the last one. But don't, don't write nothing. Don't write. Don't write. Because we, we may take the whole lesson time and talk about his crisis. He said, guys, he said, I'm, in a, I'm in a quandary. I'm in a, I'm in a crisis. He says, I'm having a desire to depart and be with God. I'm having a desire to depart and be with Christ. And I love this part. He said, which is far better. How he know it's far better? Because he done been there already. Some of y'all are like, what, what, what? Study that. It was a day when, no, I got I to gotta quit. Zero, zero. See, if, do your homework. See if you can find when Paul has already been there. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. It's called the third heaven. Do what you will with it. Say amen. The next week we're going to talk about that. Whether I go or whether I stay, he says something so important. And this is what we've got to get out of this study. He said, for me to live, for me to live is Christ. This is what he says. I live for Christ. I live for, what are you living for? Because what you're living for may be determining what you're focused on. We may need to change it. Oh, man, I got so much good stuff right there. Anyway, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.